I've got Marina Bradford on this week's World of Procurement podcast. This might be one of the most in I'm going to say the one of the most insightful episodes and I don't want to use that term loosely. In this episode I learned more from Marina than any other guest. And the reason I I think I learned so much from Marina was because we touched on a lot of topics that I still do not see spoken about very often in the world of procurement. We talked about sustainability and we didn't just talk about it from a top level, very macro level. Marina's got a wealth of experience here and she shares a lot of information and I just remember recording this episode just sitting there thinking, wow, this... Marina just knows this area so well. She's sharing so much information and I can't wait to share this with the World of Procurement followers because there's something special here and I think we're at that time in history, that time in the world where our actions can make a significant difference and people in procurement are so well-placed to make that difference. So well-placed. and I just don't think enough of you realize that so sit back relax grab a coffee grab a cup of tea do something like that and listen to this episode you're going to learn a lot in the next 25 minutes it's really good to have you on the world of procurement podcast and um i'm looking forward to this topic uh, around sustainability sustainability and procurement i think i was just saying before we've we've got started here no one's really spoken about this yet on any of the podcast episodes I've recorded and I don't see enough conversation around it. So it'd be really cool to get a, a, a brief introduction as to who you are and kind of how you got into the space around sustainability. Sure. Thank you very much for having me, Daniel. Um, very excited to be part of this experience, um, but also obviously very excited to talk about my favorite topic, sustainable procurement or procurement and sustainability, which are the combinations um, they tend to come in. So to give a bit background about me, um, so I'm Marina Bradford. Um, I'm originally from Russia, but I've lived in the UK more, I guess, longer than I was in Russia. So I now say I'm a Russian Londoner because probably the best description, this is where I spent most of my time here. Um, I have worked in different countries. I think now it's 19 countries and counting, lived in three, um, and generally have had exposure to quite a different variety of industries. So my background is management consultancy. Uh, large organizations, small organizations, all across sort of change management, transformation, financial um, and assurance domains um, across different sectors. I think the only sector I haven't really touched was financial services. Um, otherwise, public, private, um, as well as sort of all, all around the world, as I've mentioned. So for me, I guess how I've got into this space, and I think the space has been evolving as well with the terminology and, and how it's been perceived, has been basically because I worked for large organizations and my clients were sort of FTSE 200 um, and I got to see the power that they had in terms of changing the markets or driving the markets, um, creating values in different countries and different communities where they operated. I worked in Eastern Europe and Africa, sort of for those subsidiaries or small organizations and I could kind of see um, how much of an impact uh, business and corporate operations have, and procurement being one of the obviously biggest um, influences considering how much spend goes into it. So for me, it started with impact. For me, it started with business, 
for something positive and using business um, for positive change uh, for creating added value and sort of better environment or better skills or whatever it might need to be in, in different sorts of circumstances. And so I kind of started exploring from that perspective, that angle, and then it sort of started tying in with risk management as well as creating value and impact and, and interception of all of those notions. And that took me into public sector and took me into international development, which is where for me, I saw that that sort of power could actually be utilized for good. So last four or five years, I've spent mainly working in public sector and international development, um, which is where this notion of sustainable development and notion of creating value um, environmentally, socially, economically, and kind of across different elements has become so important. Um, and so that has kind of taken me to what we now call, I guess, sustainable procurement, because as I mentioned, I think the terms and the, the words people use have evolved. And for me, it's really important and interesting because like you said yourself, it's not probably something everybody's thinking about, but it is something that impacts all of us. Um, and so sustainable procurement, whether public sector or whether it is in private sector is something I think is important for everybody to be aware of, even if you might not use the same words, but it's something that we probably would want to be thinking about. Yeah, I, I really uh, liked that, that introduction into it. It, it was really eye-opening to, Firstly, all the amazing stuff that you've been up to, because that's a that's a lot in terms of uh, your background and all the the areas you've covered. And as you were going through that, in my mind, I was kind of thinking. Obviously, I come from a background. I think I, we we had a, a chat a few weeks ago on the phone, and I said defense procurement. That's my area that I, I've mostly lived in, and sustainability, although slightly mentioned, isn't really the uh, the objective. Sadly. Uh, of that so i mean in my mind what's the difference between kind of standard sort of procurement that a lot of people do and the sustainable procurement so to me i think it's two things to that so it's the purpose of procurement um whether it's looking at the organization or looking outwards uh, on the inter interaction of the organization and the environment that uh, operates in and also the uh, kind of purpose and uh, aspects that it looks at. So in sustainable procurement, what that essentially means is that the organizations would be meeting the needs for goods and services in a way that obviously achieves value for money. So we all know that's an important consideration. But then we need to start thinking about that value for money being on a whole life cycle basis. So not just at the point of purchase, but throughout the entirety of the life of the item that we're purchasing. Uh, but also thinking about it in terms of generating benefits, not just for the organization that buys it, but also for the society and the economy uh, which it operates, while significantly reducing the negative impacts for the environment and also seeking to create positive change in benefits. So essentially it looks beyond just the cost of buying and it looks just beyond of the right quality, the right place, time, location, etc and starts looking at what's the right balance of risk, what's the right balance of impact, and what's the right balance um, of that positive change that it creates as a result, and how it mitigates the negatives. Um, and for me, that's kind of the main consideration. It starts adding at the right risk and right impact, in addition to all the other rights we always talk about. Yeah, I really like your specific point as well around the, the whole life cost or total cost of ownership kind of piece in that you're not just looking at the necessary, the, the cheapest price up front, you need to take into way more considerations than just price uh, when procuring. So uh, I, I really like that point. And, and just in, in terms of my mind, I think people might be 
listening and wondering like why are we having this conversation around sustainability sustainable procurement like what is the crux of this why is it so important that like organizations businesses government you know public sector bodies private sector bodies why is it so important that they start thinking maybe differently or start accelerating their sustainability in their procurement programs that's a great question because I think the sustainability um, domain or the word on its own is probably becomes that your buzzword that sometimes people switch off when that's kind of mentioned, uh, but sometimes actually it becomes a really big and meaty and chunky discussion that's really, really important. So why do we care about this right now? Well, if you even look at it from the business perspective, I guess I can come at it from two angles. One, the angle around the climate change conversation and the movement and all of the events that we have seen over the last year. This is the decade of action um, is something that you probably have heard um, as well, because the climate change is real. And we have been told we've got 10 years to start changing the carbon emissions um, in order for us to be able to reverse the global warming. Um, there's obviously lots of additional reports have come out since that may actually not be 10 years, maybe less, but we can look at it that sort of global uh, perspective. And I think sometimes at that level, it can get a bit scary and a little bit too big. And that's probably when we kind of, we kind of start thinking can't do very much about it but actually we can if we start looking at it from the business perspective so why do we care as an organization or an industry or a country well one of the ways to think about it is if you think about the world economic forum global risk report that they release every year um, in 2020 the top five risks were all associated with climate action biodiversity natural disasters weather conditions man-made changes so all of that discussion has now actually come down to having real implications on business operations because the likelihood and impact of those are now manifesting themselves in obviously real financial costs, right? So the insurance costs, for example, are increasing um, to for organizations in regions or those who are exposed to some of those natural disasters. Um, you're obviously going to have issues with the uh, scarcity of resources, the supply, and not to mention regulation costs and not to mention all of the challenges we have heard about the um, social issues that uh, supply chains may be causing um, in, in countries that are far away from where we currently are. So they're becoming very real from the business operation, depending on which industry you're in, those are the top risks that all companies should be worried about because the implications can become operational business resilience matters. If you look at the same list about 10 years ago, the five, the top five were dominated by the economic and financial matters. So it was about oil price, it was asset pricing, it was economic development, growth, etc. So we can see a real shift in what actually will stop businesses from not just growing, but from actually existing. Um, and then if you then kind of look at that in the context of resource access, the way we consume, we now know that it's not really sustainable. Um, it takes way many more planets that we already have. Um, to sustain the lifestyle that we have. Um, if you start thinking about how much we buy, how much we produce and how we do that, we buy all the time as individuals, organizations, governments, and that buying power starts scaling up, right? So it doesn't become just about price and it drives behaviors. It drives behaviors either at household, the country, city level, or the government level. It starts making a huge difference. Um, it's all very important because ultimately, um, 
what we're experiencing in terms of the weather changes or biodiversity loss or any other issues, we can go through a very long list. Those are the results of our actions and actions, like we just said, you know, they can scale up. And organizations or governments that spend a lot have the power to either make that change in a positive direction um, or they also have the power to drive the market behaviors and try to encourage organizations and industries and technologies to shift towards more responsible patterns to so start thinking about lowering emissions or alternative technology on that or materials that we use or how we use um, so there's actually a lot of power that can be applied through the buying because at the public sector buying and purchasing represents about 60% of GDP, um, whereas at the organizational level, you know, all of the spending, again, this is something that we use to drive the market. So it's really important if we are to be part of the change, it's really important if we are to be on that trajectory of decade of action, and it's really important if we are to actually have, you know, our homes and our businesses and our lifestyles in a number of years, because the resources are limited. Um, if anybody has heard of the concept of donut economics um, that has recently been, I guess, made a bit more popular, um, the idea is that we only have limited amount of resources across the different domains. And if we use them up, it's not like it's, it's a budget, we can go into deficit, right? So it's just going to have a huge detrimental implication on, on our lives, our businesses, um, livelihoods, and ultimately it's just us destroying ourselves if I were to be sort of really, really tragic about it. But it's real. Climate change is real, environmental degradation is real, social challenges are all real, and we have a role to play to address that. Yeah, I, I really liked how you just set everything up there. Like you said, some people, as soon as they hear the word sustainability, they switch off because they think it's another buzzword or they think of the mass environmental protests that we saw you know starting off with all the school children and everything and just thinking that they can't really do much but like you said buy-in power from public sector private sector is substantial and i mean just as you were talking there how, how i was thinking about it was you know is the reason organizations you know regardless of whether they're public or private sectors the reason they really haven't taken this up is because they weren't at the time having a what well, weren't necessarily having uh, any sort of negative impacts they were just riding a wave maybe a, a naive wave that it wasn't going to touch them and like you said it's now uh, the top five risks uh, across businesses are all around the environment so has it kind of become a lot more useful in that it's getting way more not necessarily publicity it, but there are real world impacts that every major organization will start to, to feel the pain of if they don't start implementing more sustainable practices in their business. Yeah, I think that's definitely had a role to play because obviously over the last 10 years, there's been quite a lot of um, discussions, protests, regulation, and um, a lot of evolution in the space. There's also been a lot more understanding um, of what that might mean in different industries, but also what alternatives might exist. It's a complicated topic. You know, sustainability is just about uh, making sure that we have the resources that are necessary for future generations. We are not borrowing from somebody um, and generations not here yet. Um, and so there's been more understanding, there's been more publicity, obviously we've all heard about um, the climate, um, Fridays for Future and the protest, etc. But the regulations and government commitments, um, you know, the net zero, the COP, 
meetings and commitments, the Paris Agreement, etc. So there's been a lot of tools and a lot of discussion to progress with that, and that basically means that um, organizations can now understand how it might apply to them and what it actually can change, you know, what tools might be available and what implications they will be subject to um, if they don't actually progress with that. And so, you know, there are regulations, there are fines, um, and there are financial, uh, ultimately, impacts on that. Um, you may have heard of the science-based um, climate targets, and so, you know, once organization gets commitment to that, obviously, it's then something that they have to follow through. So why has it now become a little bit more uh, popular and spoken about? Well, firstly, because there are laws. UK has committed to net zero by 2050, um, and similar laws apply across different dimen uh, dimensions of environmental, social, etc. Uh, practices. Um, there are tools, there are frameworks, there's real implications. Organizations have real, real cost. You know, if you look at the fashion supply chains, you know, that's probably the biggest case anybody has kind of heard of. We've started speaking about those things um, as a public, not just as an organization, right? Transparency, responsible sourcing, all of those terms have almost become part of our everyday conversations uh, because there's been more publicity, but because those events have actually impacted lives, they've actually impacted people, they've actually impacted businesses. Um, as part of risk assessment, uh, I'm sure many organizations are already doing sort of environmental as well as social as well as any other domains. Uh, but depending on what kind of nature of the business you have, if you're, <clears throat> if you're in materials, again, you know, that sort of discussions around uh, responsible sourcing of cobalt, you know, all of the phones that all of us have, we now have a little bit more visibility um, of what actually goes into that and where that comes from and that it's not really an infinity. Um, all of that resource comes from some particular, particular place and the conditions, uh, how that's been mined, um, historically probably have not been quite uh, as visible as they are now and therefore improvements can be made because there is more pressure. But I do think developing more of a structured um, tools, frameworks and kind of examples of what can be done differently has actually helped because then it's easier to go at it. It's no longer sort of this big thing um, that we don't really know how to deal with and therefore we'll just leave it on the side. Um, there are ways um, that have been proven to um, to, I guess, improve the position. In fact, I was just sort of earlier reading a report from City of London and, and their sustainable procurement program for the last five years. That's quite well structured. There's a lot of different components, obviously has taken a lot of effort, but there are now a lot of case studies like that to actually demonstrate the value and not just the value in terms of, you know, managing risk, but value it can bring for the organization in the long term, financially, growth-wise, um, you know, well-being and sort of all sorts of domains. Yeah, that, that's incredible already how you just broke everything down and just I really like the piece that you started uh, when you were talking about the clothing supply chains and also the the supply of cobalt, you know, which, like you said, is using one of our phones. And it was just making me think is is the next step or a step that organizations need to take is it getting that more visible supply chain in place so you know from source to the final product exactly you know what was involved what went in there where it came from and the the environmental impacts that that say the extra uh, 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 the mining of the the cobalt for example what the impacts of that were on the environment for example 
Absolutely. Transparency is a, a critical thing, but transparency not just for the consumer, transparency not just for the sake of transparency and reporting it in a sort of nice glossy report, but transparency for the organization itself so they actually know where the materials that they buy come from. So where it is material intensive, very often the complex supply chains mean you have so many multiple tiers um, that you don't really know where it comes from because, you know, traditional way you just care about cost and making sure you have it when you need it, where you need it, um, at the right sort of that balance. And as long as you have that sourced and you secure your supply for your business, that's kind of where it stops. But actually, if you start looking at how complicated those supplies chains and start tracing it, and tracing might not be just sort of one element, but you know, multiple components that might make up your product, what you'll find is that actually you might not know where it's from, which means you don't really know what kind of risks you're exposed to. But when those risks manifest themselves, and in reality, no longer risks, like what we've had with Rana Plaza in Bangladesh, what actually happened was the organizations who those factories sort of helped and served didn't even know that they had any business with those organizations, which meant that they were actually impacted, you know, stock prices, business demand, and sort of consumer loyalties, all those things, but they had no idea this was coming. So actually, if you take it down to a very basic kind of notion of supply chain risk management, transparency within your supply chain helps you manage your risk better. Transparency helps you understand where you're actually operating, who you're dependent on, where your business resilience risk might be, but ultimately also where you can actually improve something, right? So where you can drive value for you as an organization, but also where you can drive value by the communities, because some organizations don't just go to extract, which I guess is what we need to be thinking about. We're not just about extracting the value um, from our supply chains. It is about a collaborative relationship. But if you don't know who you're supposed to be collaborating with, and if you don't know where the challenge is going to come from, and if you don't know where your next shock is going to come from, then your business position becomes really shaky. And the same can apply, you know, obviously, to um, any, any other material um, supply. In terms of transparency, again, this is another thing that obviously uh, organizations are subject to uh, reporting. So historically, it's been financial performance and any matters that are important for the stakeholders and shareholders um, to make sure that they understand how the value of their investment is evolving. But there's been a much stronger push in the last 10 years around non-financial performance. And that's a requirement already. So disclosures around the climate risks, disclosures around non-financial performance, any commitment and claims that organizations make around non-financial performance within community or within kind of, you know, what used to be called CSR, um, that has to also be disclosed in a way that gives information not just to the shareholders but to the public right because that then shapes how the organizational brand is perceived so the importance of providing that information becoming so much more important and that space is evolving as well there's a number of standards in terms of you know how that needs to be disclosed it's obviously not probably again the easiest kind of domain to navigate um, as requirements expectations are again shaping and changing how that information is affecting it but one of the key Kind of drivers in the space of transparency is the fact that we need to be thinking about all of the other stakeholders of our business not just the shareholders because that's the space where the sort of financial uh, quantification is applied but there's a lot of impacts that currently might not have financial quantification but ultimately are quite significant yeah i think they're really good points you just made there just you know kind of just just getting down to, to basics from a, a business perspective if you, if you 
you aren't aware of your supply chain like the example that you said at Bangladesh I think quite a lot of major retailers in the UK were impacted when they realized they had a ton of people making garments or fabrics for them that they weren't aware of and a lot of people died sadly and a lot of uh, a lot of bad press and reputational impacts uh, was a result of that um, so so I really liked how you just brought it back like if you if you aren't aware of your supply chain you, you're not aware of probably a whole multitude of risks so if just from that perspective uh, you should be pushing forwards with your sustainability programs just to improve on that and I mean as we get into the, the end of the podcast now uh, Marino what would you like anyone listening today what would you think you know what would you be happy with them going away with what's that one thing you would love for them to remember from this podcast from what you're saying and if they could go away and implement it in their business it's always very challenging to distill it down to one, isn't it? Because I go in this one and this one and this one. No, I think, it's hard there. <laughs> I think the one thing I want people to take away is the notion that sustainability is not a buzzword. Sustainability is not something that is simply for the organizations who kind of you know who, who use that term. Um, and it's it's not for me because you know I'm operating in a very different environment. It doesn't really matter for me. Sustainability is a way of thinking. It's just a concept where we're thinking about how do we make sure that resources and people and environment and community and kind of the way they live is preserved. How are we not taken away from all that more than we are putting back in? It's about eliminating waste, not just physical waste, but waste and, you know, ultimately how the way we produce or the way we operate, whether it's waste and time or whether it's actually waste after we have consumed something. That's a design flow. So from sustainability perspective, it's just about taking away the unnecessary um, negative impacts and it's about thinking in terms of how do we remain in balance and how do we make sure that the values that we stand for are true um, if you start looking at any of our interactions and our actions and activities so if you think about it in those terms if you then go away and look at how we are buying how do our purchasing decisions reflect those notions and those concepts have we thought about the impacts have we thought about some of those risks um, what would be the starting point we can think about where we could actually leverage our buying power as individuals or organizations to start addressing some of those challenges? What's our role to play in it? Start small, start somewhere, and then you kind of see where that takes you. Yeah, I've, I think that makes a lot of sense. I really like that. You know, the whole way through this, you've not just said this is purely about the environment, which I think is a, a massive misconception that, that people have with sustainability. Like you said, it's about cutting waste in so many areas of the business. So thanks so much for really giving us a quite an incredible deep dive in quite a concise, uh, constrained period of time. Like I've learned uh, so much yet. I know so many people listening learn an incredible amount. I, I thought it was incredible. I mean, where can people find you, Marina? Um, you can find me on the internet. It's www.bemari.co.uk. I'm also on LinkedIn uh, with my name, Marina Bradford. I'm occasionally appearing on Twitter. Uh, but if anybody wants to reach out, um, feel free to drop me a note at marina.bemari.co.uk, which I'm sure Daniel will probably post contact somewhere. Um, always open for a chat. I'm London-based, but as I was saying to somebody, traveling circus. So I'm very much um, open to um, moving around. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, everything will be in the show notes. So people can go into the show notes right now and click on all those links and, and find you straight away. But thanks so much for jumping on. I learned an incredible amount and it was great fun talking to you today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me here. It was lovely. I think Marina delivered incredible amounts of value and I don't want to use the term 
incredible amounts of value loosely here, but she says needed. I learned so much. I really hope you learn so much as well. I can only urge you to go and connect with Marina to go and see what she's up to and learn more on this subject. Whilst we have your attention here, I'd really appreciate it if you head over to the World of Procurement website and sign up to our weekly newsletter. The, the newsletter goes live every Friday. It's not spammy. We share our latest articles and podcasts. And in addition to that, there's always some exclusive content. So at the time of recording this, there's been a, a couple of articles over the last two weeks that won't be shared anywhere else. They're purely for our newsletters subscribers. One was on building a personal brand in procurement with Thinkers360. One was on the Tesla Impact Report 2019, I think that was the date. And actually, we, we covered a lot in sustainability because Tesla, uh, well, it's kind of their 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 life goal, their mission. That's everything they're about. So I really urge you to go and do that after listening to this episode. I'll see you real soon, my friends. Go subscribe to that newsletter.